This is the Public Record Podcast. I'm Managing Editor Ken Allen. My guest today is Rob Wheeler, the CEO of the Center. Welcome, Rob. Uh, Thank you. Thank you for having me. Tell us a little bit about what the center does and who you serve. Yeah, absolutely. The center is an LGBTQ-identified community center, and we are here to uh, create community for folks who uh, identify with us. So we have a lot going on uh, all across the valley. Can you explain how your work overlaps uh, or connects with Desert AIDS Project? Sure. So Desert AIDS Project is a FQHC health center, and so they're providing a number of very important um, health resources for LGBTQ folks, uh, both medical, dental, they uh, address housing, and they have a specific focus on folks living with HIV AIDS and long-term survivors. So DAP is, I think, what you would consider a partner of ours. We uh, collaborate with DAP. We look to understand what they're doing versus what we're doing and then ensure that, that one of us is filling the gap. I think the general way to think about it is that we're more of a social connected community center with a behavioral health focus. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have a behavioral health clinic where we're serving people um, on a sliding scale. We are kind of a a little more grassroots. Um, For example, we don't take insurance. We um, provide our services at a fee based on what people can pay. DAP is a little more formalized, a little more of what you would think of as as a medical center. Tell us about some of the programs you offer. It sounds like you have the whole range of ages from um, pre-high uh, school to, or maybe not that young, but, you know, high school to well, older adults. Yeah, so I'll start in Coachella, which is where we're serving primarily young people and their families, and our, and uh, um, we're seeing youth as young as 12, mm-hmm. um, expressing an interest in our space and looking for safety and support. Uh, our Coachella programming is generally youth-driven, meaning that we're taking cues from the young people and what it is they're looking for. So whether that is uh, leadership development for them personally, some group work, or it's stepping into the school systems and helping them with their uh, GSAs, which are the um, Gender and Sexuality Alliances that are in uh, many of the high schools in the Valley, and helping to support the development of those and best practice for school administrators and and other folks. what I love about the Coachella space is that it's incredibly diverse and dynamic, and, and it is located uh, in a space where people can actually access it, even if they have transportation barriers. Mm-hmm. We're seeing more and more parents and grandparents, um, tias, uncles, folks coming, you know, wondering how they can better support um, and lift up the young person in their lives. Uh, and then in Palm Springs, we have a building on uh, North Palm Canyon in the uptown section of Palm Springs that we have a behavioral health clinic that, op- that operates Monday through Friday, and we offer a sliding scale um, services. We have a um, team of clinicians and, and uh, interns who are in training with clinical oversight that provide direct services uh, you know, for any number of reasons that someone would be looking for some, some, some uh, behavioral health and wellness support. A lot of our programming is around uh, in that area, the issues that we're addressing, I'll say, is around social isolation, loneliness, um, later in life depression, uh, different things that people are, that, you know, might be facing having relocated to Palm Springs. And I think sometimes people have kind of a utopia idea of what it will be like. <laughs> then they get here and they, right, and they find that 
oh, it's a little tough to meet people. It's, um, I'm spending a lot of time by myself. I'm away from maybe where I had developed a, a strong social network. And so we want to be the backup for those people yeah. um, and be sure that they're able to connect with community and, and find um, and, and develop relationships. And so tied to that, we have a lot of social connectedness programming centers, socials, uh, card games. We have ASL classes, uh, Spanish language classes, just, you know, for example, there's a knitting group that's very popular here. So, do, so things that are a, a little more informal, but ways for people to connect with community and other folks. Uh, and then the third thing I'll touch on is our community food bank, which is up on Bolardo here in Palm Springs. We do food distribution once a week on Thursdays. We're the only organization doing that on a weekly basis. And right now we're serving about 250 families a week, which is a little beyond our capacity. So it's really stretching our our resources and I think what I find really surprising about that work is the diversity of people who are coming through our food bank and the number of people uh, in Palm Springs in the Coachella Valley who are experiencing food insecurity and mm. the cost of goods the cost of food the in uh, the impacts of inflation are really are really having um, an effect on people and so we're we're seeing more and more need in that area and 40% of the folks that we serve at the food bank are 55 and over mm -hmm. so we're we're identifying that there's a real need within our senior and elder population uh, that they are not getting they do not have the resources to get enough to eat to stock their kitchen for a week where does the food come from comes from a number of sources, donations generally through partners. Uh, so our, our significant partners find food bank. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we purchase food through them at a, at a reduced rate. And then we have partnerships with uh, Ralph's, other food service agencies, the, uh, um, Panera Bread, Starbucks. So we basically collect food throughout the week and then we do a drive-through collection. So we pack two bags that we ensure are a mix of fruits, vegetables, proteins, um, dairy, we want eggs, we want to make sure that people are getting a well-rounded bag of food, that everybody gets the same thing, um, and that they're able to make some healthy choices with the food they're receiving. So are you looking for more partners? I, mean, I think we're always looking for partners, but I'll tell you that the thing that really helps us with the food bank is financial donations. Right. Because with partners, one of the challenges is we can't control the goods that we're receiving. And so we have to kind of make do with what we have. Sure. And, and what we do as an agency is then we purchase outside of those partnerships, um, either through bulk um, or other, you know, avenues of purchase that we have to supplement our shelves so that we're sure to give folks a, um, a good eclectic bag of groceries. And surely with, uh, you know, physical goods, you have the issue of delivery, pickup, the perishable nature of a lot of this stuff. So financial gifts are a lot more flexible for you, right? You got it. I mean, we have a wonderful food bank space, good freezer and refrigerator and dry storage. Um, our staff and, and team of volunteers, it's very volunteer driven in the food bank. Um, they're, they do amazing work with the resources that they have, but financial support means that we, just as you said, that is much more fluid and that we get to make decisions about what it is that we need that folks are, are, um, are not going to receive and then we can backfill from there. So how can people donate? Can they go online and have a, like a monthly withdrawal from their credit card or bank account, something of that nature? Can they give uh, cars <laughs> like, a lot of or, like a lot of organizations uh, ask for or, or homes or whatever? 
The best way to support the center is by visiting our website, which is the Center CV for Coachella Valley, so thecentercv.org. Uh, on that website, there's a donate button. You also can learn um, so much more about the organization and what we're doing. There's, there's actually a new video that we um, premiered at the Center Stage event last Friday that, um, that gives you a, a day in the life at the food bank, and it's currently on our homepage. Uh, it's really interesting. It's moving. I mean, I've seen it at least 15 times, and I have a little tear every time I do. It's, it's, uh, it basically um, it's called Every Thursday, and it starts at 7 a.m., and it takes the viewer through what a day at our food bank looks like, and uh, all the way through distribution, and then us running out of food at the end, which happens every week, and closing the gates. Uh, and unable to provide any more resources to people. So it really gives you a sense of, of what that work looks like, what it feels like, who's being impacted, and, and, and um, where your financial support is, is going. Now you have something called the Ocotillo Club. Is that kind of a philanthropic group within the center? It is. It's, it is basically our sustaining donor program. And I'll tell you, uh, as a, a nonprofit professional who has been a leader in this space for quite a while, I have never seen a more inspiring or committed group of sustaining donors as we have with our Ocotillo Club. The, the, the gift for Ocotillo Club members is 1200 per year or more. And many That's of 100 them a month. give 100. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Many of them give 100 a month through yeah. an automated, automatic. And you know what that does for us, which is really incredible, is it helps us to be proactive and plan ahead around our cash flow and our cash management. We, unlike many nonprofits that are dependent on government reimbursements or um, events that drive fundraising or year-end, um, all of those things are important to us as well. But knowing that our sustaining donors are um, contributing on a regular monthly or annual basis lets us plan ahead um, and be strategic about how um, we, we develop and, and uh, implement our programming. Has the uh, inflationary period uh, impacted your finances? I mean, obviously things cost you more on the spending side, but has it impacted your ability to get donations? It has to a certain degree. You know, it's, it's, I think it's right now a little more art than science. It's hard for us to know mm. precisely how, what the impact is, but what we're hearing anecdotally from our donors and some of our major donors is that they're anxious. They're anxious about the economy. They're anxious about the stock market. They're anxious about the political environment that we're in, and they are a little more hesitant um, to give or maybe give at the level that they have previously. And what I love and appreciate about those who support us is they always kind of end that with, but don't worry, things will settle down and I, you know, I, I, I'm holding off right now and then I'll, I'll be back at the end of the year. I want to get through this, this calendar year, or this tax year. And so their, their commitment to us hasn't changed, but I do think people have a little bit of trepidation and anxiety right now. Things feel a little volatile. And so, that just, you know, for us means that we have to be even more diligent about our planning, our spending, um, and how we manage uh, costs so that we can continue to, to, um, to deliver the programming that's, that's a part of our promise. Now, while financial gifts are very important to any nonprofit, sort of tangentially to that is the ability to acquire volunteers. So to speak a little bit about the volunteer opportunities there are at the center. 
Our volunteers are the lifeline of this organization. They work in every area of our of our um, space, from Palm Springs to Coachella, and certainly the food bank. Uh, and so, uh, also on our website, thecentercv.org, folks can learn about volunteer opportunities. There's our site's actually new from last spring. It's super user friendly. People can go up to the main menu bar um, and find, uh, I think it's called Take Action, and under that there'll be volunteer opportunities. People can click there, uh, fill out a volunteer application. It's, it's pretty brief. And then our volunteer and engagement manager will follow up. And generally the way that works is setting up a meeting or a call to talk about, you know, what your interests are and where you feel like you want to make an impact. We have a lot of different opportunities, whether it's at our front desk, as a welcoming specialist, or at our food bank, uh, unloading trucks, packing groceries, delivering to trunks of cars as people are coming through, um, or maybe at our events if you are more into like kind of a fast pace, want to be um, in a space with lots of people having a good time, there's a lot of opportunities in that way also. And it's also a great way to uh, make a social connection, right? Absolutely. I mean, so many of our volunteers um, share stories of that their core group of friends um, they met through their volunteer activities or through attending events at the center. Um, and I see that now. I've been here about a year and four months. And what I've noticed is that there are these kind of large groups of people, 10, 15 people that I'll see like at a center social. We have those uh, every fourth Wednesday of the month, and it's an opportunity for folks to come and get together and spend an hour and a half usually in an event space or a bar or a hotel or some a special location here in uh, Palm Springs. And I see these groups of people who clearly they look like, you know, they've been spending the last 20 years together. And I don't think that's necessarily the case, but they've developed a really significant and important bond through their connection to the center. Let's talk about a little bit more serious uh, subject for a moment. Um, we always hear that uh, gay youth is... Um, particularly challenged. We know young people in general are challenged with uh, mental health issues and uh, threats of suicide. Yeah. Uh, and of course, we've seen shootings and whatnot and, and you know, acting out in, in uh, other situations, uh, not, not having to do with gay people necessarily. But um, mm-hmm. what, what are some of the challenges do you see uh, with gay youth that need special attention and care and programs you have to address that? I think we see it live out in a number of different ways. Um, we we hear from young people that they feel stigmatized, that they feel mm-hmm. isolated, that they don't have anyone to talk to, that they're not sure where the safe spaces are. And I know that that term can be a little cliche, but it, it actually really means something important, that young people need to know that there are spaces and adults that they can access and talk to and get support that is not judgmental um, and that recognizes the complexity that those young people are feeling. And so part of our work is to create those spaces so that young people feel welcome, they feel seen, they they feel heard. And we do that in our center space, for example, in Coachella, but we also do that in our work in the schools and partnering with the school counselors, with school nurses, with administrators to help them understand and be more culturally competent around what kind of challenges LGBTQ youth are facing and how they can better support them. You know, I think about it as 
there's only so many of us and there's only so far our reach can go. And so part of our work is not only to serve the young people who are coming directly to us, but it's also to educate and inform the other adults and other people who are in young people's lives, in particular in the school system, um, to ensure that they can also further create those spaces for youth. And the other piece is working with families. I think so we, what we recognize um, and understand is that many families don't have experience with LGBTQ issues. And so when they have a young person who is you know, coming of age and they're going through adolescence and they're, and they're exploring their identity um, and how they see themselves in the world, they might not have anyone at home that they can talk to. And so what part of our work is to help, help them build the confidence to raise those questions at home and also con for us to connect with those families to help them um, better understand what that young person might be facing and uh, how we can help, how we can help kind of create I think a sense of safety and security so that those young people can really thrive both in their academic pursuits, um, but also as just human beings and, mm. and living their lives and being their whole selves. So that's interesting. Do you have, um, you wouldn't probably characterize it this way, but I'm going to use the phrase parenting classes for parents of, of gay <laughs> youth. Uh, I'm, and again, I'm, I apologize for using that term because I'm sure you don't no. couch it to those terms, but, but something along that line. We do. I mean, that's a totally fine term. We don't necessarily do it as like parenting classes. What we, we will work with families, parents. Um, many of the young people that we work with in Coachella may live in multi-generational households. And mm. so sometimes we're, they're extended family mm -hmm. that we are working with. And so we will do that one-on-one -on -one with, with a family um, that can be multiple family members. Um, we will, uh, we have support groups for young people where they can, um, discuss and, and share their experiences with one another around their families that helps them sort of develop their inner strength and sense uh. of connection to others. And then we do, um, we have a group called um, Brave Spaces, which is for younger folks or LGBTQ folks who have kids where they can come together and, and create social bonds, but also um, support one another in the, different, in the different things that they might be facing in their lives or maybe how they're interacting with a school district or they're interacting with a sports team and the, the other you know, types of things that you can imagine might, might come up for, for an LGBTQ identified family. I'm curious about the... Uh connection you have with the schools. So I'm a 16-year-old and I'm having, uh, my parents aren't accepting of me and I don't know where to turn, but maybe my high school counselor, I go to my high school counselor and say, what do I do? Where do I go? W what's the handoff to your organization there? So it's all about relationships. Uh, we would, uh, if, if in a scenario you're describing, the first thing that we would do was ensure that that young person was safe. Um, that they were um, feeling stabilized with their own um, mental health and, and emotional wellness. Uh, that would be our main priority, right? And then we would want to understand the environment that that young person is operating in. What exactly is going on at home with the family? What might the roadblocks be? We often find that one parent is a little maybe a little more dug in and another parent is a little more open. And so the conflict that's kind of tr has happened there with us, with the three folks, like helping to sort of maybe 
use a strengths perspective, if that makes sense, to focus on where where is where is the the positivity in that young person's life? Where is the empowerment? With the school, we would look to see what are our relationships with the school, with that school district. What are the connections that we have there? How might we be able to support that young person to access a more supportive counselor, um, or do some education with the counselor or the school administrator themselves, so that they can better support the young people? Because I wholeheartedly believe that. M Generally, if you're working in the education system, you want young people to thrive. You want them to learn. And you may feel uncomfortable about certain issues or not sure how to respond. But I think once you start learning about how to support that youth, um, generally we find that folks are very open to it. Is there a hidden gem <laughs> among your activities that um, people just haven't discovered yet you want to share? I think that all, you know, I'm a little biased. I think all of our activities are hidden gems. You know, for, <laughs> that's politically for some, correct. For some right? folks, <laughs> well, for some folks, coming and sitting in a room with ten other people and knitting and having a conversation about life, about politics, about what's happening in your life, finding support. Maybe you're having a struggle with a family member, or you've had experienced a loss. Uh, that you know, that is a gem for those people. Others, um, you know, our Spanish language classes are packed. Uh, and we offer beginner and intermediate, and it goes through a seasonal cycle. And so I think for a lot of people, especially living here in the Coachella Valley, that's something that is really interesting and exciting to them, and they love that we do that. You know, so for for me, it's it it, it feels like there's something here for everyone. It's just about like un uncovering and discovering that. Terrific. Rob Wheeler, yeah. CEO of the Center, thank you for sharing with us, and uh, we hope we'll get you lots of volunteers and lots of philanthropic gifts and lots of new uh, folks visiting the Center to participate in your programs. I appreciate this so much, and uh, Ken, I hope you are, you'll come to one of our socials soon. I'd love to see you in person, uh, and, and we'll, we'll stay in touch. Okay, thanks so much. The Public Record Podcast is a public service of The Public Record, the Coachella Valley's Business News Weekly. I'm Managing Editor Ken Allen reminding you to make someone's day with something nice to say.